are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So how many of you know what today is? If you said it's the first Sunday of the new year, you would be correct. It might be your birthday. Anybody's birthday? Nobody in the room. Not one. We got one. You want us to sing to you? Probably not going to happen, but happy birthday. Uh, Today is Epiphany Sunday. And so the Church of Jesus Christ around the world celebrates, commemorates the fact that Jesus appeared to the wise men, or God revealed himself to Jesus through God revealed himself through Jesus to the wise men. They were Gentiles, and so God making himself known to all people. So when we talk about epiphany, we talk about like a sudden realization, a striking realization. It's like I've become aware of something I didn't know before. I've become conscious of something. Something struck me with a new and deeper meaning. And so there's been times in your life when you've had an epiphany, right? You've been like, oh, I finally get it. Now I know what everybody's talking about. Now I see it. And so that's what we mean by epiphany. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. When was the first time? Or has it happened to you yet? When you've come to the place in your life when you've said, Oh my goodness, what was I thinking? How come I didn't get this earlier? Why couldn't I have seen this before now? This is the best possible life for me. All of these years, it's like I've been kind of, you know, resisting what God wanted for me. And I've been trying to, you know, like kind of do it my way, but I've only made my life more difficult or harder. And all I would have had to have done all along the way is simply say yes to God. So maybe you've had that moment in your life where you just said, why couldn't I have seen this before now? Why have I been resisting what God wanted? But now I get it. If I just said yes to God, my life would be better. It changes everything. And it changed everything for a guy we're going to study for the next few weeks whose name is Abraham. And so Abraham said yes to God. Now there's this pattern that Abraham adopts. There's this like, priority structure that he um, lives his life by. And, and I want to show you the priority structure, okay? We're going to do it over these next few weeks, but today we'll talk about number one, God first. So Abraham says, here's what I'm going to do. Whatever God asks of me, I'm going to say yes. And so when God says, Abraham, I'm going to say yes. Well, you don't even know what I'm asking yet. doesn't matter. The answer is yes. So he puts God first, Whatever God wants is what we're going to do. God's first in my life. Then he puts others second. We'll talk about it next Sunday. His nephew Lot and him are in this situation. Then he says, you know what, Lot? Let's just focus on what you need and what you want, and then we'll focus on me. So he puts others second. God first, others second. And then, number three, Abraham says, you know what? God will just take care of me. It's okay. I can put God first and focus what he wants. I can put others next and focus what on what they want because God is going to take care of me. Now, there's this incredible, freeing revelation here. The God who created everything takes care of me. I don't have to worry about me. God's got me. So I can just say, yep, I'll follow you, God. 
whatever your plan is, I'm good with it. I'll focus on others next because you've got me in the palm of your hands. So I want to take you to the story, okay? Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Okay, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And we're going to focus on this whole idea this morning of God first and saying yes. So here we go. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now hang on for a minute, okay? I know some people that God said this to. Not making this up. I know some folks, God said to them, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. They're called missionaries. Many of them have retired and they're in our church today. They attend our church. In four weeks, on the last Sunday of this month, that Sunday that you cannot miss, I'm going to have you meet those people. And we're going to celebrate the fact that they said yes to God when He said to them, I want you to leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Okay? So here we go. I will make you into a great nation. This is the promise after the command, which equals covenant. Okay? Promise, command equals covenant. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, Abram. I'm going to make you famous. Think about this. Thousands of years later, and you and I are still talking about Abram. In fact, thousands of years from now, people are still going to be talking about Abram. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, he didn't understand what all of that meant when God said all the families on earth will be blessed through you. But what God is doing is creating a nation through which he is going to offer salvation to the whole world. And Abraham is going to be the father of the nation. It's awesome. So Abraham departed. I love these words. I can't handle it. These words really do something to the imagination inside of me. God says, Abram, I want you to go do this thing that doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't seem very responsible. It's not planet safe. I want you to go. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. I'll show you where you're going to go. And so Abram says yes. I don't know that I would have said yes. Would you have said yes? Abram says yes. So he departs as the Lord instructed. And Lot went with him. We'll learn in a moment. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old. Think about this. I don't know that at the age of 75, I'm going to be interested in loading up my family and every possession that I have and, and, and moving away and living in tents for many years. But that's what he did. In fact, I'm 57. I don't know that I'm willing to take that on right now. But that's what Abraham does. He was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, his wealth, his livestock. I mean, think about how he lived in those days. Every animal is going to make the journey. And all the people he had taken into his household, that means servants, etc., at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. Now, when we get to Canaan, we find there's a major challenge. God, I did what you asked me to do. You asked me to do something, in my opinion, that's kind of out there, okay? But I said yes. So, when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. 
And there he set up camp beside the oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited. Wait, you told me that you're going to give me this land. But now there's already people living there and they say it's their land. And they've built houses there and they have planted vineyards. This is their home. The area was inhabited by the Canaanites. And then the Lord appeared to Abram. God just showed up and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar and he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. When you think about your own life and your relationship with God, have there been times when God appeared to you? You might say, Rick, I didn't see him with my eyes, but God came to me. And he assured me it was going to be okay. I mean, I, I knew in that moment that I was in the presence of God, and it was awesome. And so I just kind of did what Abram did. I just worshiped him. I was so glad that God came to me in that moment. I remember reading a story several years ago about an event that had happened many years before that. It was a preacher who had moved to a new town. So when he gets to the new town, one morning he's headed to the bus stop for the first time. He's never ridden the bus in this new town he's living. When he gets on the bus, he opens his wallet because he doesn't have the correct change, and he gives money to the bus driver, and the bus driver somehow gives him his change, and he goes back and he sits down, and before he puts it into his wallet, he realizes, wow, the bus driver's given me too much money back. He's given me the incorrect change. And the move was challenging for the family, and things were really tight financially, and only being a few dollars, it would really make a difference in his life that week because they were broke. And he sits there and he stares at the money, and he feels this gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I know, but give it back. He shakes his head in agreement. And when finally the bus stops at his stop, he walks down the aisle of the bus and he stops at the bus driver and he says, Hey, sir, I'm sorry, but you made a mistake and you gave me back too much change. And the bus driver says, You're the new preacher in town. Yes, sir. Oh, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't? No, I've been thinking about going back to church for a couple of years now. I heard your church was getting a new pastor. And I thought I would just see if maybe you're the kind of man that I think I could follow. So I'll see you Sunday, Pastor. He opens the door and he says, I get off the bus and I'm standing on the sidewalk and there's a light pole and I, I lean up against the light pole and my heart is beating rapidly as I consider the weight of my decision And I was so glad that I did the right thing. There's something that I like to say. I say it as often as I can. I say it every time I can. I say it to as many people as I can. 
I love it. I believe in it. It's a conviction of mine. So it's more than a belief. And this is it. I have never said yes to God and regretted it. There's never been one time in my life when I said, I really believe this is what God's will is. This is what God wants. I've never said yes to God, went ahead, did what I believe God wanted me to do, and then walked back later and said, you know what? I wish I hadn't have done it. It was a mistake. Never in my life, one time, have I said yes to God and regretted it. And I've never met anybody who has said that to me. And I'm looking for somebody who doesn't believe this. Every time in my life that I did what I believed God wanted me to do, I was always glad that I did. Always, without exception. However, the opposite has been true. Every time, without failure, that I said no to God, I've regretted it. Every time I made a choice not to do what I believed God wanted me to do, I was later sorry that I said no to God. And so what does Abraham do? Abraham understands this principle. He understands this pattern for living. You always say yes to God. God's will comes first. Because every time I've said yes to God, it's been a good thing. Every time I've said no to God, it's been a bad thing. And so he loads up his family, his nephew, his wife, all the livestock, all the servants, everything that he owns, all of his wealth, and he leaves. It doesn't make sense. It's not a safe choice. It doesn't appear to be a responsible decision. But in his heart, he believed God said leave. And so I'm leaving. Hey, Abraham, where are you going, man? I don't know. He said he would show me. I mean, at that point, you're saying, you know, is Abraham nuts? I mean, is he okay? Is he still, you know, got everything clicking up there? When I read verse 4, so Abraham left. It stirs my imagination. And I believe it stirs yours. Because deep down in our hearts, all of us wonder what it's like to take that kind of a leap of faith. To step out. (laughs) Only because I'm convinced that God has asked me to do so. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And it doesn't seem very responsible in some ways. And it's not a safe choice by any means. But I'm going to take the step. I'm going to take the leap. Because I'm believing with everything in me that God is saying I should do it. And I think we all want to feel that surge of energy that flows through us when we know that we're just out there with God. But I think too many times our story is the opposite. I didn't do it, Rick. I just didn't do it. It seemed too hard at the time. I didn't know what people would think or say. It didn't seem like a responsible move in the moment. It didn't seem like a safe choice. And all of these years, I've looked back on my life and I've wondered, what would have happened if I would have said yes when God called me? So I get up the other morning and I get a text from a guy whose name is Dennis Smelzenbach. And he says to me, Pastor Rick, I thought you'd want to know my brother Harmon passed away at midnight. He was 83. And he goes on in his text to remind me that Harmon carried on the work in Africa that his grandfather had started. 
Harmon, the original Harmon Smelzenbach. The original Harmon Smelzenbach was the first missionary in the Church of the Nazarene to the country of Africa. And, and years later, his grandson feels this call to carry on the work like his father, Elmer, had carried on the work. And so he opens all of these new works in countries throughout Africa. And he was the founder of Africa Nazarene University in Nairobi, Kenya. And, and I think about Harmon Smelzenbach. How many of you would ever remember hearing that guy speak? Is there any hands in the room, your younger crowd? This just gives you an idea. In first service, every hand in the room went up. You know, everybody... Everybody knew this guy. He could tell stories like nobody else could tell a story. He was awesome. But years ago, God said, hey, Harmon, I'm calling you. And Harmon said, yes. And when I think about what he accomplished, more than most of us will ever dream of accomplishing in our lifetimes, I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. I mean, I'm filled with passion this morning when I think about what God might do through somebody who says yes. When He calls your name and you say yes, and God says, I haven't even told you what it is yet. doesn't matter. God, when you call, the answer is always yes. It's the best possible life. I think you can learn something from Harmon, and I think you can learn something from Abram. And there's two things, because you've got to leave in a minute. You're not going to be here all week. You're going to walk out the doors. So what are you going to do with this? And I think there's two things that we're reminded to do in the passage. The first is really good. You say yes when you can't see the whole picture. Abram, I want you to leave. Where am I going? I'll show you. Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. He said he would show me. Well, then you're nuts. It's okay. I don't have to see the whole picture. Do you remember the Sunday I had the picture up here on an easel and we just pulled back a corner and we said, what about those seasons in our lives when we know that God is up to something but we just can't see the whole picture? You say yes when you can't see the whole picture. Number two, you're going to love this, okay? You keep saying yes when things don't seem to be working out. Case in point, Abraham has two major challenges that we read about. Many others, but two major. Number one, God, I'll go whatever you, wherever you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do, be whoever you want me to be. God says, okay, load up and go. Go to the land I'll show you. The land he shows him is Canaan. When he gets to Canaan, this land that he's promised to give him and his descendants he realizes there are already people living in Canaan. They're called Canaanites. But God, you, you said this was my land. And God says, it's okay, Abram. I told you I will give it to you and I will give it to you. Now listen to what happens next. He builds an altar and he worships. You know what he's saying? Hey, God, hey, man, just want you to know, all right, the answer is still yes. <laughs> I got a major challenge here. It's not working out like I thought it would. Progress isn't being made at the pace I thought it would happen. Suffering a little personal discomfort here, but I want you to know the answer is still yes, man. I still believe in you. Second major challenge. 
God, uh, could we talk? Sure, Abram, what's on your heart? Well, you know how you said that you're going to make me the father of many nations and there's going to be this great nation? Yep. I don't have any kids. And I'm an old man and my wife is way past bearing kids. I mean, I think we got a major challenge here, God. It's okay, Abram. I will give you an heir of your own flesh and blood. Here's what I think the point is. Your lack of progress or personal discomfort that you may suffer is not a sign that you are not in the center of God's will. Rick, I'm following God. He asked me to do this. I said, yes, we're doing what we think God wants us to do, but we've got these major challenges in our lives. We're not making the progress we thought we were going to make. That's okay. Your lack of progress or discomfort is no sign that you are not still in the center of God's will. Even when you're in the center of God's will, you will face major challenges in your life. And so when you're not making the progress that you hoped you would make, when you're suffering some personal discomfort in the journey toward being what God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do, it doesn't mean that you're not in God's will. God will bring you through those times. I'm going to say this because I think it should. It's a side note. I'll admit that. For some of us, in order to say yes to God, we need to say no to some other things in our lives. Right? So, here's what I'm hearing people say right now. Maybe on social media, I read a few posts. person catches me in the hallway and says, this is what I think God's saying to me right now. It's always kind of the same deal. I think that 2019, I need to simplify. I need to eliminate. I need to clear some things out of my life. I, I could not agree more. I love it. I love it. I love that kind of thing. And create margin in your life. I, I believe that busy is a tool of the enemy. Do you remember a video that we showed a few weeks ago of Debbie Rains? Debbie Rains said, God spoke to me. And God said to me, Debbie, you're too busy. You're too busy to invest your life in people who don't know me, and that's what I'm asking you to do. But the reason you're not doing it is because you are too busy. See, I love the idea of you saying, hey, I want to simplify, I want to reduce, I want to relax more, I want to get busy out of my life. I love that. But I'm not asking you to do it so you can just sit around all day and drink fruit-flavored drinks, okay? I'm going to reduce the busyness in my life so when that God calls me, I have no problem saying yes. And let me inspire you for a minute. There is nothing, I'm telling you, there is nothing in this world Nothing in this world that compares to knowing in your heart that you have given all that you are and all that you have to God who loves you deeply and who sees your future and has a plan for your life and wants to do things through you that you could never imagine. All right, one last story. In first service, if I say that, there's a guy that sits over there that says, Amen, every time I say it. 
You know who Derek Carr is? Quarterback, got an amen. First time you've amen me since you've been attending here. <laughs> Quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Awesome year last year, not a great of a year this past year, but in 2017 of June, something significant happened in the world of football. You know what it was. He signed, quarterback, Oakland Ra- Raiders, signed a contract to renew, signed a contract for $125 million over a five-year period. Would you be willing to consider a job for $125 million over a five-year period? It's a lot of money. A league setting, uh, a, a league setting, record setting contract for the league, okay? And so, you know what happens? A reporter, like they do, sticks a microphone in front of Derek Carr and says, Hey, Derek, what are you going to do with all this money? $125 million over the next five years. You want to know what he said? He said, first thing, and that word's important because that talks about priority. First thing I will do is pay my tithe. First thing I'm going to do, number one, God's first. Whatever God wants, that's first. This is what God asked of me, so this is the first thing. First thing I would do is pay my tithe like I have since I was in college getting a $700 on a school, or rather on a scholarship check. That won't change. I'll do that. I'll pay my tithe. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? So, so that says something about priority, right? That says if you want to know what's number one in my life, I'll tell you what's number one. I say yes to God. Whatever God wants, that's one. God first. Here's what he says after that. He says, the exciting thing for me, money-wise, and he's just talking. That's why it sounds like he's just talking. He's not writing. The, the exciting thing for me, money-wise, honestly, is that this money is going to help a lot of people. I'm very thankful to have it in our hands because it's going to help people, not only in this country, but in a lot of countries around the world. That's what's exciting to me. So you want to talk about number two for Derek? Others. God first. Then we're going to think about others. We're going to use this money to help a lot of people. And can't you see that number three is already taken care of? God is taking care of me. So I can focus on God's will first and then others because God's got me in his hands. I, I, I love the story that I read. He goes on to talk about how that my wife and I, we will not stop clipping coupons. Because that's who we are. We live as frugally as we can so we can give away as much as we can. And that's not going to change. A guy who earns $125 million in five years is going to clip coupons? Yeah, because I'm not first. God's first. And then others are second. And me? Oh, (laughs) The God who created everything takes awesome care of me. Let me put the list back up. Everybody's got a list. You've got a list. 
You walked in the door knowing full well what your list looks like. You have priorities in your life. It may be arranged differently from this, but you've got a list. And you might say, Rick, if I put my list up, it wouldn't be in that order. See, the question for everybody today is, what order is your list in? But you've got a list. And you've got priorities. And you live by them every day of your life, just like I do. And when I look at Abram's life, he says, this is the way mine's arranged. I say yes to God. And then I focus on others. And then I just sit back and I watch God take care of me. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.